0: That's all right. Three amigos right again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And John is definitely Zach Sanchez of that group. <laughs> I'll take that. Welcome. This is John and Brad. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing lovely. Great. Good, good. So what do you guys think of the uh, the uh, sudden cutting of uh, Aguayo? I'll start with you, John.
1: Uh, good for them for cutting their losses. That's the, the hardest thing for professional teams to do is say, hey, we messed that one up. We might have been wrong. So I get respect for him for that. Even if the original decision was dumb.
0: I agree. I mean they they, they traded up. They lost several draft picks for a kicker who ended up being, you know,
1: I totally forgot moderately they okay. Up I totally forgot they traded up for it too. That's such a that's so stupid.
0: Yep. Second round traded <laughs> up for a kicker.
1: Just had to leapfrog all those teams that were like, Alright, Roberto's top of our board. We gotta we gotta jump on that.
0: Yep. And uh Brad, what do you think of that?
1: Mr. Kicker's well I kind player's. of
2: agree. I kind of agree with with John, you know, it's commendable that they were like, hey, this was a terrible idea. We screwed up. But on the other hand, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you, you, you I am probably, you know, the world's biggest fan of kickers. And even I wouldn't trade more than one pick in the seventh round to move up into the top of the seventh round to get a kicker. You know, it's just, you don't do that. There are so many of them, you know, there are, there are like 400 college teams. Each of them have a kicker. There are, um, you know, 32 NFL teams. There are only 32 kicking jobs available. There are plenty of people to choose from who can kick and apparently, who can kick better than Aguayo? I don't know if if he's just not any good. I don't know if the Bucks ruined him by over-inflating his confidence by drafting him, you know, so high, trading up for him. Uh, but he has a, the bad case of the yips, as we like to say. Oh, that's the, what I was going to uh, say. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's permanent or not. I don't know if there's any hope for him to to recover it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I. I do commend Tampa for for cutting their losses, but, you know, it's it's a sad situation all around, especially for Aguayo, because now he's in Chicago, and he's probably going to suck even more.
1: Or we could use the joke that everybody else is using and say that the wind will blow his kicks straight.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's going to get plenty of practice for, um, you know, being a part of John Fox's offense. (laughs) So he will have opportunity to turn his career around.
1: And shout out to everybody on the Internet who made that joke first. Um, can we put the odd uh, what, what do you think the odds are that Tampa Bay drafts his younger brother because he's supposed to be better than Roberto in like two years whenever he comes out?
2: Uh, can we go ahead and put that as guaranteed to happen? That would be so funny. Much, yes. I'd,
1: I'd bet money on that.
0: Like you, I, I would bet money on that. You go, for, you go for strike two. I would. I would um,
1: gain so much respect for Tampa Bay if they just just for, just for the fun of it is like, hey, the first Aguayo was bad. They can't both be bad, right? Just
3: I no. would just
0: respect the the brashness of it. And the funny I mean, thing it, about the whole um, the whole like trading up for him thing was was uh the Panthers just to put it in perspective the Panthers traded what like a fourth round pick or something like that for Andy Lee, Yeah. who is historically already one of the better punters in the NFL. I mean the guy has season holding records as for punting uh, average over the and uh, net punting average so. The Panthers gave that up for one of the better punters in the NFL, and the Bucks gave up several picks for a second-round pick kicker who didn't end up working out for them after a year's worth of time. Never kicked so, NFL
1: football. You have no idea how yep. good he's going to be. They're different footballs. Exactly. forget that.
0: Yep. Well, he was good enough
2: to beat us, so.
1: Didn't uh, he just kick against us too, though?
2: He did. He. I think <laughs> the only field goal he made all year was the game winner in the game against us. I
1: remember <laughs> – I remember thinking, like, maybe he won't suck anymore because that might be a good confidence booster, and I was yeah, 100% was incorrect.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: So speaking of people who don't suck anymore or people who don't suck, let's talk about some uh, Panthers training camp here. They um, suck. You know, let's not be that negative <laughs> to start the season off. I mean, like, it It, it was rough last year, but there's there's some there's still some good stuff there. No, I, I don't um, think it was a
1: good training camp
0: so i'm gonna start with uh brad here um we're gonna go around and give our our offensive players of the camp picks here so brad who who did you like the most on the offensive side of the ball for training camp uh, i'm gonna
2: take the easy way out and also prevent the two of you from doing it i'm gonna say christian mccaffrey okay good. uh
0: I was going to say <laughs> he always anyway. does this every time every time takes the easy way out all right i see how Yeah,
2: but you know christian mccaffrey proved that he was worth the eighth pick overall i mean he he showed that he can he can run between the tackles he can split out wide he can catch passes out of the backfield he he put luke keekley on roller skates you know i mean it's not like he put third string practice squad guy for the the bears on on skates, He did it to Luke Keekley, who's an all-pro linebacker. He's the real deal. Uh, Panthers fans are going to be really happy with what, what we have in him. And just to not take the easy way out, to prove that Brian is wrong when he says that I always take the easy way out, uh, I will also say that Demir Bird was yeah. very impressive.
1: It's still, my um,
0: And then you take the obvious pick for the underdog. <laughs> yeah. Still, <laughs> easy way out. So, easy take, way take both out. of my
1: top two choices. I guess we're in agreement then, though. If uh, they're both... Both were the, the stars of camp on the offensive side.
0: Well, go go ahead, John. Tell us about Damier Bird, because I'm not going to let BW take that away from you.
1: Okay, well, one <laughs> thing from training camp that uh, we learned, his name is Damier, not Damier, because uh, if you want somebody to sign your autograph for you, uh, you should probably know how to say their name. at least. If that's his name's not Bretton
0: Burson, so I don't care.
1: <laughs> well, that's fine. But, like, we, we Brad was there for that part. People were trying to get his autograph, because he's, like, the only guy that came near us. And they're like, Damier Damier, I, like he's not gonna. That's not his name. He's not gonna sign your your hat.
2: I still believe that's the reason he left because <laughs> he got tired of hearing people spell or pronounce his name wrong. I would too. Um, yeah, I would too. I wouldn't sign any anything for anybody that called me Damier. I would. That's I would like dumb.
1: quiz anybody over the age of like ten. Like, what's my first name? And if you don't know my first name, I'm not. I'm just throwing your memory really back in your face. Um, but uh, I th- I thought. I don't know, it's just, it's nice to see him show up a lot. I saw him yesterday make a couple of nice, yeah, yesterday, or Saturday. When I was there this past weekend, he made a bunch of nice plays. Um, With everybody throwing him the ball, too, he's made, not just Joe Webb like we saw in the preseason, but Cam was finding him, Derek Anderson was finding him. Uh, he's fast, he gets open, and he, I don't remember <laughs> seeing him drop any passes. Like, he was reliable, catching punts and catching passes, so... Um, I'm excited for him to make the team. I think he'll actually be active on game days from his special teams perspective and his receiver ability. And I think he's gonna actually like all he, he's got his NFL skills, his speed doesn't need anything else. Yeah, exactly. Out.
2: The only question is with, with bird, if he's going to make the active roster on game day, who's going to, who's going to lose their spot. Um, you know, the one thing that that's held him back is we have just too many people. Yeah. Um, you know, and on the wide receiver end, we have, um, you know, we have Benjamin, we have Funchess, we have Russell, Russell Shepherd, <laughs> Can't say that properly. Russell Shepard. Uh, we also have Curtis Samuel. Uh, and, you know, we generally don't carry more than four on game day. So uh, I do think Bird should be one of the guys who,
0: who plays uh, on Sundays. But um, It depends okay. on how many receivers the Panthers carry, obviously. Um, Joe Webb is going to warn a uh Active game day spot simply because of his special teams play. So, hypothetically speaking, I would probably say like if the Panthers do keep six receivers, it would probably be Burson if they decide to keep Bird. Yes, which saddens me to say, obviously. Um, but Bird definitely brings a bit more to the table there. I will. Um,
1: my thing. Go is, ahead. Uh, Brad's question. Uh, if Samuel doesn't get healthy, it's a pretty obvious, uh, pretty seamless transition for Bird to step in because I feel like they have similar skill sets and similar roles within the offense in terms of the the speed, the vertical and horizontal speed from the slot and outside. So if it, it, it Samuel doesn't get healthy anytime soon, I think Bird's kind of the, the easy fill-in there. Don't really lose a lot in terms of the skills at the table, even if he's not quite as good as Curtis Samuel's supposed to be.
2: Yeah, I, I think one other way they could, they could use um... – Alex is both the fullback and tight end, because he played tight end in college. I think he played every position except quarterback in college at some point or another. You know, we can only put uh, Greg Olson and Ed Dixon as two tight ends, and we could instead of having a third tight end like Manhurts or Simonson or whoever ends up getting that job, you know, Demir Bird could take that spot, and we could use Alex Armah's flexibility to play either fullback or tight end uh to kind of fill two roles with one per, one person. Yeah, so,
1: I'm, I'm sure Arma's on special teams too I haven't I didn't notice in the game but I would I'd be surprised if he wasn't on the special teams units.
0: Yeah. He's he's definitely a project player. Um to give you my offensive player since you guys both took the obvious choices. Well, that's what you um, get for asking us first. Yep. I would say Taylor Moten would be the guy that impressed me the most aside from those two guys because He was the primary backup to Andrew Norwell in the first preseason game. He did pretty well as a left guard. And then they shifted him out to right tackle for the preseason game, and he didn't do too bad then either. So I think the Panthers found themselves a swing tackle with uh, Moten.
1: Well, I have a question.
2: I have a question for you, Brian. Why are you accusing me and John of taking the easy way out
3: (laughs) when
0: you picked the other most hyped rookie that we have on the roster? Well, first of all, the second most hyped rookie on the roster is definitely Curtis Samuel despite the fact that he hasn't practiced. And second of all, he's an offensive lineman and we know that offensive linemen are a problem for Carolina, specifically tackles, so that's why I picked him. So, you know. Okay. Come at me all you want, but I had to I had to make a choice there. Hey, I think it's if I could have just I could have just re I could have just redid your words and said <laughs> what I wanted to about Christian McCaffrey, but I didn't because I'm trying to bring some good content to this podcast. So there.
1: What is your opinion on Christian McCaffrey? Is he good?
0: Christian McCaffrey is a freak, and I haven't seen a player like that in Carolina my entire time as a fan. The, the closest thing that I have to that is D'Angelo Williams. And even then. Williams is not nearly the receiver that Christian McCaffrey is. That guy is going to be really good.
1: Williams, I feel, is also a lot more linear than McCaffrey is in terms of, like, his athleticism. Like, good straight-line speed, breakaway speed, but not nearly the, like, stop-and-start, cut-back-and-forth wiggle that McCaffrey has. Unless I'm misremembering yeah, his early days. he stops on the
0: dime. He yeah. stops on the dime. Like, he... I don't care, like a lot of people are going to say like, "Oh well, Luke Keekley on that one on one drill would have corralled him in for you know an inside tackle, but there aren't many players who make Luke Keekley look stupid on a one on one drill, and he did that, so that I honestly think people saying that Luke
2: Keekley would have destroyed him, they are not fully seeing what Christian McCaffrey did because you know, yeah, Luke could have dove if he really wanted to, but I don't think he would have made the play. I think he would have missed him. Yep. I, I think McCaffrey was that shifty. I think that he evaded that no matter what Luke Keekley would have done, you know,
0: McCaffrey was going to get out of it. Yep. The kid is definitely shifty and bringing up Luke keekley We're going to, let's talk about some of the defensive players that we're excited about. So, uh, John, I'll go to you first. Uh, who would you say was the most intriguing player that you saw on, de- on the defensive side of the ball in a training camp?
1: Um, just, we're going to go real deep in the roster and mention the starting cornerback James Bradbury.
0: Real deep. Real yeah. deep. I like it. David Newton. The deep hi, dive.
1: David Newton, everybody's favorite Panthers writer, uh, called him his training camp MVP. And as I normally do, I agree with David Newton. Um, it's just it's nice to hear. I know our receiving core isn't isn't challenging for the best in the NFL, but he locks down everybody, and he is. I'm excited for it. I mean, it's like we have such a wide array of skill of skill at the receiver position. They might not be good, but we have like the behemoth in Benjamin, and then the speed and bird and stuff. And he sticks with everybody in every situation. So maybe we don't need Josh Norman anymore.
0: Oh. Yeah, we'll get into that here in a
1: minute. Okay. Um BW, who's
0: your uh who was your guy? I
2: am really big on Deshaun Hall. I think he's going to be a surprise to a lot of people who probably don't expect much from him because he's a rookie. Uh I I think he is I don't want to use this person as a comparison, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> uh <laughs> I think he's going to be better than Greg Hardy was for Carolina. And he's not going to be the off-field problem that Greg Hardy was.
1: I would hope not. That's a tough bar to clear, the Greg Hardy off-field issues.
2: Yeah. I also don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, but I think he's also going to be just as good, if not better, than Miles Garrett.
1: Oh, that's pretty high. That's lofty. Wow. That is
2: a very
0: lengthy one.
2: I, I think, honestly, one of the reasons that he was drafted as low as he was is because people were focused on Miles Garrett too much. Um, but Deshaun Hall is really, really good.
1: Well, I hope you're right.
0: I mean, he's had a good camp. He had a few what would have been sacks against the Panthers quarterbacks. Thankfully, he didn't actually hit them and hurt them. So <laughs> Send a message, um,
1: drill the quarterback in practice. Just, just, yeah, just to exactly. make him feel you.
0: Make him understand that you're there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my guy would probably be Michael Adams, honestly, because I saw Michael Adams being signed, and I said that's, you know, that's pretty close to what Roman Harper was. But what I'm seeing from this guy in camp, that guy is a ball hawk, and he's got a pretty good athletic He's got a pretty good athletic skill set, despite the fact that he's like what thirty four. I say I think like that. that.
1: I think unlike he's thirty six. Unlike Roman Harper, he probably runs a sub five forty at this point in his career.
2: This yeah, guy, he, he, he also doesn't like look he like he's eighty five, like Roman Harper. Does, <laughs> Roman he Harper plays like
0: he's in his early. He's he's in his like mid twenties, and I'm just like I'm awed by that. And so you got Kurt Coleman now, who is in. <clears throat> one of his prime contract years as far as uh, getting extended, and now Michael Adams is coming around and balling too. Those two guys are going to be pretty good together, in my opinion. Like, Michael Adams has surprised me quite a bit because I expected him to be more of a, a run support guy, more of a like up on the line of scrimmage, make a tackle type guy, but not so much a ball hawk. But all I've seen in camp is him making like these athletic interceptions off the tips. Adams has impressed me. He really has. I also
1: uh, also like hearing that he's the people are. uh, Saul McCaffrey tweeted a picture of him sitting there listening to Mike Adams talk and said uh, when the old guys basically said when the old guys talk, you listen. So he's got that veteran presence that Harper had and hopefully he'll be better on the field than Harper was. Uh,
0: Yeah. And he's definitely been around for a while. He has like Adams has been Adams has been through multiple teams. He was with the Broncos. He was with the Colts. He was with the team between that. You know, the guy has started and done well with multiple teams. So clearly he's not a scheme guy in the sense that you have to have the right scheme for him to, su- to succeed. So that's always good.
1: Um, I will say, I want to throw in one, one little thought here, because uh, I see this all the time. Um, somebody posted about the training camp MVPs, and basically every comment was like, oh no, they're doomed. Um, I hate football superstitions, and I hate people thinking they're curses. Uh, Just because somebody gets called a training camp MVP by some writer that the player will never hear, uh, it is by no means a uh, dooming, a damning of their season. Usually, the reason they usually are, the reason the uh, training camp MVP is playing out is because it's usually a bad player that's surpassing their uh, floor, bottom level expectations. So it's like, oh, this ninth wide receiver is actually not as terrible as we thought. So it's like, oh, training camp MVP. And then it's shocking he doesn't make the team It's because like he was never going to make the team to begin with. The people that we've been talking about, like, they're good. Them being training camp MVPs will not make them less good.
2: Yeah, and plus right. the curse only happens if Ron Rivera says it. It doesn't matter if David Newton says it. It's only when Ron says it.
1: I'm sure. it's uh, It probably goes to their head. It does. Just...
2: It, it Ron Rivera is the witch doctor in this <laughs> scenario. So just... As long as he doesn't say it, there's no curse.
1: So that was my my thing I've seen a lot of on training camp MVPs. Uh, training camp MVPs are actually not a bad thing. It's okay for somebody to be good at football in training camp. I know that's kind of a hot take, but that's my... I'm sticking to it.
0: And uh, while we're on the uh, topic of uh, Bradbury, um, or we were on the topic of Bradbury, um, so he is very similar to Josh Norman as far as his skill set goes. And... Uh, We've seen that Bradbury has uh has had some great practices against Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Punches, you know, even though those guys are both taller and stronger than him. And I can't help but think that he is further along than Josh Norman was at this time in his career. And it's it's a good thing to see, obviously, but uh what do you guys think? Like is Bradbury going to be a better corner than Norman is right now?
1: Brad, you already yeah, shared just your based
0: hot take on what on you've this. seen.
2: Yeah, I can go ahead and share my hot take again. I, I shared this last time we, we got together for a podcast, but yes, James Bradbury will be and is better than Josh Norman, especially second year James Bradbury compared to second year Josh Norman. It's it's not even a comparison if you take Josh Norman in his second year in the league. I also believe that Josh Norman is overrated.
1: He definitely needs a. He's definitely a, uh, a scheme guy. Like you can't put him in, just like straight. He's got to be in a more of a cover three. Zone he situation. has to be in a cover
2: three shell, where he can just be on one guy. He cannot be inserted into any defense in the league and succeed. He's not Deion Sanders. He's not. Um, you know, Appreciate Darrell Reeves, he's not any of these players. And plus, he's like 42 years old. So, um, you know, I guess to the TLDR version, to answer your question, yes.
1: He's also, uh, I'll get into this more when I give you guys my whole weekend summary of my experience in training camp. But his his attitude is so much easier to palate than Josh Normans was, or he is depending on your situation.
0: And my whole thing with uh, Bradbury to uh, interject my opinion is that uh, he he's been working hard on press coverage. He's been working hard on you know zone coverage, but that guy is so similar to Josh Norman. He's just he's a long corner. He's a tall guy. He's got. He knows how to work the routes, and he's not forcing interceptions, but he's forcing pass deflections.
1: They look him which, and him and Norman look exactly the same on the field in the same number. They really do. They're the same build. They really do. They're the same size. They're the same number. They're the same like the way they move pretty similarly. It's like he might as well be the same person on the field, other than without the theatrics.
0: And the thing about it is the intellectual part of the game where, like, you predict the route or you predict what's going to happen. And he's done that against Kelvin Benjamin and against Devin, against Devin Funchess, you know. He's made some plays based on straight prediction against those guys in uh, training camp. So oh, I, I look it. at him and I see a guy who's, like, a lot further along than Norman was with the same skill set. Two years in, I mean, like, Norman didn't really come to his own until, like, what, three and a half years into the league? Just about. Where yeah. Bradbury seems like he's coming into his own because, I mean, who covers Calvin Benjamin and swats a pass away who's not a starting corner in the NFL?
1: Not very many. I mean, even though Benjamin has a very limited way to win, uh, not very many people are breaking up passes where he has a chance to go up and get it uh, above them. That's one thing he's good at for sure
0: Bradbury's definitely gonna be good
1: definitely I agree with that
0: so let's let's move on to our surprise guys so what I want to talk about is the guys that surprise you in training camp so I'll start with you uh, John who surprised you the most in training camp who is somebody that you see that could make the roster or even just could make an impact for the Panthers' uh, regular season that you wouldn't have expected three months ago.
1: I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to let you go first this time.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: So we don't steal your answers this time. I have my answer, but I'll let you go first, even if you steal it.
0: Well, my answer would be Vernon Butler. Um.
1: Oh, that's the curse of, of, of Brian. You, you, you mentioned him as your surprise player, and then there he goes and gets hurt. Way to go.
0: I mean, he has been hurt, yes, but he's shown well over the last, obviously, last season he did well at times, and uh, in the preseason he's been hurt, but that dude's first step is arguably better than Kwan Short's first step. Whoa! I mean, put... oh, sound the alarm! <laughs> hot take alert. I wouldn't call that a hot take, it's true though, like that was his... Like when he was in the draft, that was the big thing that I heard about him was that his first step was so fast as a defensive lineman. And even yeah, if it's not, man, even Nate, it's not than better Kay, than... Man, come on. But even if it's not better than K1 Schwartz, even if it's like around the same level, you got two guys who can make that first step and beat an offensive lineman and get the sack. I mean, Bert, Butler has sounded like one. Of, he's a very good defensive tackle and rusher in camp. So when he's healthy, Carolina has one Short, Starla Tulele, and Vernon Butler. That's a pretty good defensive tackle rotation. I mean, not a lot of teams have a, t- a rotation like that. So to suddenly throw this guy in for him to rush the passer – that's going to cause problems, especially since, like, a lot of interior NFL offensive lines are not that great at blocking that. You've got to protect against one. Is it K1 Short or is it Butler, you know?
1: I just hope he stays healthy because he's, he's been in the league two years and he's already had multiple injury issues. So that's a, not a good thing. But if, he's on the, if he can stay on the field, I agree with everything you've said. It's just the health thing he needs to get better. Yeah, yep.
2: it, it is a little concerning that he hasn't been able to stay on the field.
1: And, it's only, and, it's, and then on top of that, they are lower body injuries, and that's concerning when he's a large dude. It's harder for them. Yeah. That's that's a tougher thing. But hopefully his injury right now is minor, and he'll be back. I don't know what the timetable was. I think he might be good for the regular season, right? I, I
2: think, think so. I think it's only going it to be like, like,
1: like. Two or three weeks. <laughs> okay, that's good. Which, it was weird.
0: So, so Brad... Uh, who's your Who's your guy that's been most surprising for you in the re- in the uh, training camp parts of this preseason? Well, my guy actually makes the
2: coaching staff's decision making a little bit more difficult because uh, I'm going to go with Kalen Clay, the wide receiver. He he's looked pretty good in the limited time he's been on the field, and he not only looks good as a wide receiver, he also looks good as a punt returner. So and I, I, I apologize in advance, but he does look like he might be the one to take Brenton Burston's spot on the roster.
1: He's so fast. No, Kaylen Clay. Is I very mean, fast. he is
2: very fast. If if the if the coaching staff wants to add speed to to the roster, uh, you can't go wrong with with a trio of Curtis Samuel, Demir Bird, and Kaylen Clay. And then when you add that to um, you know, Kelvin Benjamin and Devin punches who have size and then Russell Shepard, who is a good route runner. That's a really good group of wide receivers.
1: And it has a, a, a wide range of skills. It's not, it's yeah. not like a, a couple of years ago when we first ran very and it's like, we're just going to collect all of the six foot five, 240 pound receivers that run four, eight forties and we're just going to be bigger than you. And we learned that didn't yeah. work so good. <coughs> all
0: right, John. So who's your, uh, Who's your player watching right now?
1: Not Alshon Jeffrey. (laughs) Uh, The fact that he's playing left tackle and not being terrible at it is pretty cool. Um, Not what I would have expected when we cut him for being a bad left guard. So it's nice to see him. little redemption story, future 30 for 30.
2: Yeah, well, he played left tackle in college. I mean, granted, it was like, you know, the Northeastern dentist school of the arts arts or some crap. But, you know, he played left tackle in college. So I never understood why they switched him to guard in the first place. It never made sense. Well, you know, he also is not Alshon Jeffrey.
1: If you ever watch um, any draft coverage, uh, any tackle that doesn't play – in, like, left tackle at the Premier College should kick inside the guard uh, when they get to the NFL. I swear, 80% of tackle prospects in the NFL draft are like, yeah, he's probably going to have to kick inside the guard because his arms are quarter inch too short, but uh, he's not a bad <laughs> but, prospect. And then yeah. maybe they should actually just stay the position they've played their whole life and they might be better. That, yeah, that usually concept, works out better, But it might, might be the case. Worth a shot, right? Try them at the yeah. position they've always played. Maybe they'll be better. Than yeah.
2: I mean, you know, especially if you're going to draft him over Alshon Jeffrey, you know, the least you could do is let him play the position he played in college.
1: You know, with Alshon Jeffrey's injuries, has he really been that bad of a of a miss though? I mean, I know he's really good, but he's on the injury report every single week.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm probably the biggest Alshon Homer, you know, that's not related to him. Um, it, it's really sad that he's been injured as much as he has because he's really freaking good. And if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, the Eagles are going to end up with a steal because they got him on a one-year deal. So uh, if he can be healthy, there that he might actually make Carson Wentz into a good quarterback.
1: See, that's, I'm glad you said that because um, I'm in the camp that Carson Wentz has been severely overrated because he had like two good games. When nobody knew how he played and then was mediocre to bad for the last like twelve games of last season and everybody kind of forgot, like didn't pay attention to that. They just already decided that he's good.
2: Yeah, that's pretty accurate.
1: And um
2: He's like Joe Flacco. He had two good games. Yeah. And in Joe Flacco's case it was three, and everybody thinks he's, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks. It just so happened that Joe Flacco's good game was the super you know, was the playoffs in yeah. the Super Bowl. Well
1: it's like you know they say like you only have one chance to make a first impression. So Carson Wentz's first impression is like, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. And then that's what everybody that's what sticks in everybody's head. They cling. Everybody clings to the first piece of information they get. <clears throat> and then he can he can just ride that first impression as he plummets like a 79 passer rating and throws like 14 touchdowns all season. But he's the next big thing, future superstar, and all that jazz. Yeah.
2: Now I'll give him credit for one thing. He's better than golf. That's I mean that's I, very true. That's not saying much, but he <laughs> is better than
1: Goff. Yeah, I don't I don't know how far we want to get into this, but that was something I did want to talk about at some point, either on this episode or next episode. Um I didn't see Mahomes yet, but Trubisky, Kaiser, and Watson all looked much better than last year's rookie quarterback class, aside from Dak Prescott.
2: Yeah, they, they did, and Mahomes actually looked pretty good too. I watched a little bit of that yesterday on on NFL Network. They were showing the replay of it. Yeah. Um I, I didn't pay that much attention to it, but he was moving the ball, so
1: that, That's that's see that's better than last year's class. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to hear about my training camp stories before we too get too far off track?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: Heck yeah, I do it. All right. So, if you follow CSR Snaps, Then you saw a lot of this over the weekend. If you don't, follow CSR Snaps on Snapchat. You better add it right this second. I'll I'll give you a second. Alright, that's your time to add it. Okay, so Saturday they had practice in the stadium, which has its pros and cons. Um, I liked it just because everything's on one field, so it's easy to see what's going on. And on top of that... Uh, being up in the stadium makes it easy to kind of like look down and see everything. Especially like when they're doing... They did a lot of 11-on-11s and 7-on-7s for these last two days of practice. And it's nice. Up in the crowd, it's a lot easier. Up in the stands, it's a lot easier to see what's going on. But um, a couple things that stood out. Uh, Brad Berry had a pick-six. We were talking about him earlier. He had a pick-six on Derek Anderson on the goal line. Uh, I can't remember who the receiver was, but it was like a little out-route... At the pylon, at the front pylon, and and Bradbury picked it, and led a convoy of people down the field. Would have been a pick six. Um, this is a, this is a fun one. Uh, Teddy Williams was actually pretty good, like both days. He made a lot of pass breakups and stuff. At least from what I saw, I couldn't see everything, but I saw him making a bunch of pass breakups on uh, receivers of all teams. Um, Christian McCaffrey. This is. This, I think. I told you guys this when we were in our, in our chat. Uh, we line up in the Wildcat a lot, and there was one play that we did where we lined up McCaffrey in the Wildcat, and we had Stewart next to him. So it was almost like McCaffrey's in the shotgun. And McCaffrey just took the snap and just did an outside toss sweep to Jonathan Stewart. And I've, I have don't think I've ever seen a team run a uh, toss sweep where the running back takes a snap and tosses it to the other running back. Uh, am I alone in not ever seeing that before?
2: No, you're not alone. I've never seen that before either.
1: That's an interesting little wrinkle. Um, I saw people. I saw a couple questions about McCaffrey and the Wildcat. Like, why do we even need to do that if Cam can run? Um, All the looks I've seen of McCaffrey and the Wildcat, none of it was just McCaffrey taking a snap and running straight forward. All of it had some sort of either some sort of misdirection, either a lot of times it was Demir Bird coming across the formation and McCaffrey having a chance to either hand it off or take it up the middle. So. I like that aspect of it that's a lot of speed going in different directions that defenses have to account for. Uh we I did McCaffrey did fumble one though. That was a no that was that was not good. There was one fumbled bust. exchange. Bust. One fumbled exchange from the running back to a wide receiver. Uh
2: he's a bust. Um, yeah, Cut him.
1: He's not good at handoffs. we giving handoffs. He so need to fix that. Um the other thing we didn't see it at all in the preseason but McCaffrey like catching passes. Uh they throw to him a lot in the 11-on-11s in, the in practice. Uh, Cam and Anderson both. Like he's, they did like a two-minute drill type of practice thing, and I think three or four passes in a row to start it off was McCaffrey. All of them were coming out of the backfield, but uh, I think he's going to be really, really heavily utilized. Like they look like they're trying to get him the ball as much as possible in as many different ways as possible. And I think, I think it's a good call. I, I agree with that line of thinking um let's see what else did i get uh also on the snapchat you know i don't know what that thing is called that the kickers use when they're kicking by themselves a the little stand that they use to hold the ball for him but um butker was going first and he made it back to 61 his first one was a little short and the second one he just put over the crossbar and as he was doing that gano was working his way back and gano just had to show him up He made it from 61 like easily cleared it from 61 moved back to 65 drilled it again on his first try, moved it back to 67, and again drilled it on his first try. So, Ganoa, as inaccurate as he is, the ball just flies off his foot. So, that was...
2: Yeah, that's why I wish we could have, like the old days, when we had two kickers on the roster. You had a (laughs) kickoff guy and a field goal kicker. You know, I wish we could still do that. And, you know, maybe if the NFL goes back to, you know, or even goes to letting teams dress all 53 players for game day, maybe we'll see that sometime in the future. But it would be nice to be able to take advantage of Gano's, you know, ability if we to a, kick the ball out of the back of the end zone.
1: If Gano could be the kickoff guy and guy for kicks like over 50 or whatever, and then – and so on and so forth. have like an accuracy guy and a distance guy like a lot of college teams do. Um yeah. And then they both they went to uh, like actual like snap and hold and stuff, and they both went back to fifty nine, and they both made it on their first try. But uh, Buckers came out super low, like it might have been dropped if it uh, might have been blocked if he had gone against live action. But um, enough of that boring football stuff. I'm gonna tell you guys about the uh, the gnome signings. <laughs> so uh, practice ended, and. We went over to the where like all the players sign and we're just kinda just getting a feel for who was around. And the first guy I saw was Alex Arma and he didn't have a whole lot of people around him, so it's just like, Hey Alex, you wanna sign this gnome? And his reaction was what I imagined Greg Olson's was when you guys what you guys have told me. He he looked so perplexed and I handed him the gnome and he like looked at it every single side of the gnome, like, I don't know where I'm supposed to sign this thing. And then, finally, he signed the hat. He's just grinning the whole time. And then we walked uh, We walked further down, and we saw McCaffrey. I did not get a chance to get McCaffrey to sign the gnome. He's kind of a hot get for his uh, autographs. Really?
2: Yes. That's a surprise.
1: But the thing about McCaffrey, I did, we did get him to sign a hat with uh, the help of another person. I don't know why they decided to take our hat and hand it to him to sign for us, but I appreciate it if you're listening. Many, many thanks. But, um... He seems to genuinely enjoy interacting with the fans, like he had his own marker, he had something he had already signed that he like pulled out of like he had tucked into the back of his pants that he pulled out and handed it to somebody <clears throat> excuse me he uh he was taking a bunch of selfies with everybody that was handing him their phones and stuff so he he was really you could tell he genuinely enjoyed hanging out with everybody and doing and signing and interacting with people and stuff but uh we got the hat signed and then we went down Thomas Davis was signing uh I asked TJ Davis to sign the gnome and he was so confused. He's like, "What me?" And I and I got him and I handed him the gnome and the marker and he like looked at me like, "Am I supposed to give this to to my dad?" And I'm like, "No, you, you, sign, it. I want you sign it." And when you sign it, he's like me like, "Yeah, sign it." And he like he got so excited and he's like grinning from ear to ear and he just wrote his name like in regular like print. He wrote his name on the arm of the gnome. <laughs> So like the shoulder, awesome. the gnome's shoulder has T.J. Davis written in standard like print handwriting. Um, but it, I just that was my favorite signature to get because he was just so excited to sign something. I doubt he's ever had anybody ask him to sign something before. And then uh, he handed it back to me. And then um, Thomas Davis Senior signed it too. Uh, Thomas Davis did not say a word the entire time, even with the gnome. Did, I could have handed him a sheet of paper with a pencil. He would have the same reaction as he did if you guys didn't know him with a metallic Sharpie.
2: That's because he's a professional. He's very professional. He He's serious. He's,
1: he was. He he looked ready to go home. Um, Bradbury. Bradbury's super polite. That was what stood out to me. Like, like I said, with Thomas Davis, a lot of the guys, like, they don't, there's, everybody's yelling at them, so they don't, they just kind of, like, stay quiet, and they don't say much. James Bradbury replied to every single person that said, like, thanks, James, good luck with this season, all this stuff. He replied to everybody saying, like, appreciate it, you're welcome, all that stuff. I was like, hey, will you sign this gnome? He's like, yeah, I got you, and he signed the gnome. He said, I appreciate it, and he said, no problem. Like, he's super polite, but super quiet, so that was cool. Um, Austin Duke is super friendly also. He signed it. He gave me a fist bump, told him appreciate him representing my alma mater in UNC Charlotte, and he's like, appreciate all y'all, all y'all for your support. He's super friendly. Um, I haven't washed my hand since then because he accidentally made a mark on my fit my hand with the uh, with the fist bump while he's holding the sharpie. So I'm just gonna have to shower with the bag on my hand for the rest of my life. Um,
2: yeah, unless he gets cut, then you can wash it.
1: No, off. that doesn't matter. Uh, who else did I get? Oh, Harrison Butker. Uh, got him to sign the butt as as was requested.
2: Of course. <laughs>
1: And I handed him the gnome, and I was like, You gotta sign the butt, because you butt kick, you gotta sign the butt. And he just shook his head the entire time and didn't know how to handle it. And he finally found a spot to sign it all on the butt. And he did it. He was a good sport about it, though. So, uh, props to him for signing the butt of a gnome. But I guess that's what you sign up for when you make your Twitter handle butt kicker. And I think that covers just about everybody that I saw signing. Um,. Demir Bird signed again for everybody in that same spot. When we were there, he went back further um, away from where everybody else was signing, kind of on his own. So he got a, he kind of had his own crowd of people he was signing for. But it was it was definitely a much better signing day than when we went the first time. So that was, that was it. Was nice that gnome the gnome has got signings on it, which is always good. We didn't want that empty gnome going back going back home. I think that no, wa- what was that? What was that? <coughs> um, I was saying Walker would have been disappointed. Oh, he—he's very disappointed. Uh, if if we didn't get the gnome signed, I I, I was trying to be—I was not being picky at all because I know when we were looking at the gnome the first time around, uh, it was like the only two people that had signed the gnome and like what was what was the year you guys went, Brad? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. And and the only people that signed the gnome that were still on the team were Greg Olson and Britton Burson. Yep, And that included, like, Danny Morrison and Dave Gettleman. And yeah, stuff. <laughs> Dave Gettleman
2: signed it. Danny Morrison signed it. I mean, there were <laughs> a gone. bunch of players who signed it that aren't on the team anymore. But, yeah, the only two who are still left are Olsen and Burson.
1: Of course, the the ageless ones. And then – so I, I figured it would be fun to have this to look back on, the same thing, seeing if, like, Alex Arma and Austin Duke and, and all of them, how long they last. And – Maybe the first ever Panthers autograph for TJ Davis. Might be. Look at that in 15 years and TJ Davis is is an NFL player and uh, we got his name signed when he was nine.
2: The funny thing is, is no one will ever believe that he really signed it because if he just (laughs) printed his name, I mean, anybody can just get a nine-year-old kid to print TJ Davis on a gnome. I will say this,
1: I will say this, his handwriting on that gnome is better than my handwriting on like paper and pen. So that's, that was a little disappointing. Wow. Damn. <laughs> but good for him. Like I said, that's my favorite, my favorite autograph. Cause just from his, his genuine, like how, how excited he was to actually get to sign something. So that's a uh, training camp stories from John for uh, the last two days of camp. Um, it's a good time. I highly recommend anybody that hasn't gone out to go out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. disagree. Um, so I guess we'll uh, we'll end it off with this. So uh, I'll start with BW. Um, who are you most excited for come week one?
2: As far as Panthers players, who am I most excited to see?
0: I mean, if you want to name opponents players, it's fine. But yeah, Panthers players preferably.
2: Um, Demir Bird. I want to see what he can do. I want to see him get a game jersey, and I want to see him, you know, beat somebody deep. Nobody expects him to be open because you know he's just a mere bird. Uh, but I want to see him beat somebody for a touchdown like he did against Houston.
0: When he beat him like a drum. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. Uh, Johnny, who do you th- who are you excited to see?
1: Um. Uh. My favorite. My person I'm most excited to see is Cam Newton. Go ahead. Elaborate on that. No. No, just straight no. No, uh, no, I just, because he hasn't thrown at all, and I think everybody's concerned. And I think, I don't know, the little bit I've seen him throw, he's looked really good, even if he doesn't have the zip as he's getting better. Um, We haven't seen him at 100% in a long time, and I just, even like those last few games are kind of what stick out with all the, oh, he hasn't completed 50% of his passes in forever. Uh, I'm just excited to see fully healthy Cam Newton with players that might actually make it easy for him to throw it to.
0: Alright. Valid point. I'll go with uh Julius Peppers because Peppers is essentially a co starter alongside Mario Addison and Charles Johnson. So what I expect to see is him rotating in with both of them as a defensive end and the Panthers defense have been raving about him. And he's what, thirty seven uh, now?
1: Like I, something like that. It's Joe's it pretty funny speaking of Peppers. Uh it was hard to tell on, Friday, or on Sunday because they played, they practiced in that far field again, so I couldn't see everybody that was participating in the, the drills. But uh, on Saturday, I swear Julius Peppers was on the field for like eight plays the entire practice. Like he did very little work, which I guess makes sense when you're like one of the best ever and you're 37 years old. But it's just funny to me that Peppers basically was on the sideline almost the entire practice.
0: I mean, the guy has already proven what yeah. he's got.
1: But, yeah, no reason for him to wear himself out. He's
0: still, he's still beating young guys like Daryl Williams. So, I'm excited to see what they use, what they do oh, with him as a rotational sure. pass rusher in that Mario Addison role. That's what I'm the most excited to see because he's not going to be the uh, three down starter that he used to be. He's going to be the guy that they throw out there in pass rushing situations and. A fresh Julius Peppers up against most offensive tackles
1: in the NFL is going to be a problem. So, oh yeah, I'm pretty I, excited for that. He did. Now that you mentioned that, there was one play I remember. I specifically remember that he went in. It's 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 a storm here. Uh, specifically remember that he went in, and he came in, went into, he went in and played left end, went up against Daryl Williams, and just destroyed Daryl Williams on the one play he went in for, and then he came and sat back down. So it's Julius I, Peppers, man, I'm looking forward to this season. He just sits out for a couple plays like, hey, we need a sack. Go get one Julius. And then he'll go in there and wreak some havoc for a couple plays and then get a breather. Yep. Yep. Anything else you guys so want any, to talk about?
0: Yeah. Any final thoughts? I mean, we have our podcast coming up on Thursday, so we'll have a lot to talk about then as well. But yeah. Any closing thoughts between you guys? I'll start with you,
2: uh, no, I think John pretty much covered everything I was going to say. Um, oh, sorry. No, no problem. No problem. Um, you know, I am looking forward to talking about the Texans game, but like we're going to do that later. You know, next time we get together, so I'll have much more to say then.
0: Oh yeah, so your I will... thoughts are redundant. Good to see, good to hear. We have no original yeah, thoughts I
1: here. I have, yeah, I have. I have none.
2: I, I'm not. I'm a thought aggregator. I don't provide original thoughts. <laughs>
1: I have a couple things, yeah, uh, a couple things I want to talk about from the Texans game, and just other preseason things around the NFL. I'm going to watch the Titans game before we record on Thursday so I can get an idea of uh, what to look forward to then. Plus, apparently it was the worst game in the history of football games, so that'll be uh, exhilarating to watch. Um, My other final thing I wanted to say, this is just kind of a camp summary that I saw a lot of, and I meant to talk about this maybe last time, maybe I've not... Uh Kelvin Benjamin is not a tight end, and he will never be a tight end, and you need to stop suggesting that he'll be a tight end. It has nothing to do with anything we've talked about all episode, but it's just something I see a lot of and I wanna discourage. But he that. weighs
2: two hundred and sixty pounds.
1: He does not I he weighed three hundred Actually
2: he doesn't anymore, but he did.
1: It's it's like it's like it's like a video game way of thinking. So you know how, like, you have a video game, and you have a player, and they have a number rating. So it's like, Kelvin Benjamin is like an 82 wide receiver. But maybe if you switch his position on Madden to tight end, he's now like an 84. And I feel like that's the line of thinking people say, like, well, if we call him a tight end, he's better than other tight ends. Like, just because we call him a tight end, he will still do the exact same things he does for us now. Like, he's not going to suddenly get better at blocking or know how to block in line or know how to, or anything like that, if we just label him a tight end. He's a wide receiver, he's going to be a wide receiver. And uh, just just let him, leave it at that.
0: And the important thing to remember with Benjamin is that you can line up with, line him up in the slot as a wide receiver. Yeah. But he can essentially function as a second tight end in that sense, but oh, you yeah. don't want him lining up in line. Yeah. And I think Carolina addressed a lot of their issues with the whole, like, let's compliment Greg Olson with a, Christian McCaffrey in combination with Greg Olson, or excuse me, with uh, Kelvin Benjamin, because Benjamin is the guy where you line up with a slot with a wide receiver, or with a linebacker, that linebacker is not going to be able to cover him, I don't care who it is.
1: Yeah, he's
0: not comes- even Luke Keighley can cover him, like, the guy is 6'6", six six, you know? Yeah. So, you, you put him in those situations to, to succeed, but you're not necessarily making him a tight end, so... I agree. I don't think Benjamin's a tight end at all. I mean, he's a guy who can block defensive backs and put them on their butts, but he's not somebody who can, like, level a linebacker in one on one blocking situations. So I agree. I definitely agree.
1: But yeah, we Um, line up, like you said, we line up him in the slot. He functions as, like, a move tight end, and we've done that a plenty. Have him in the slot where he can box out corners on quick slants and things like that. Uh, We don't have to call him a tight end for us to use him like that. And we never will call a tight end because that's just yep. useless.
0: Like we said, all I can say is on fourth and short, I could count on Calvin Benjamin to make that catch just because of his size and where they line him up at. But yeah, I mean, anyway, it's, uh, we got a lot more to say next podcast. But any closing thoughts for the two of you? I that was that was my last thing. It was uh yeah, I thought I, we it was did a good
1: point. It was thoughts. a good
0: point, and I think we'll I think we'll uh, address that a little bit more in the next one.
1: But so, yeah, we'll s- see you
0: guys Friday. See you guys Friday. Hopefully we make this conversion this time and actually do it. I'm sorry I was in D.C., but <laughs> we'll make it happen. So.
1: Oh, yeah, we probably should have yeah. let off with that. You know, like, hey, guys, this is why we didn't have an episode on Friday. But here's your Yeah, that would have probably <laughs> been a good idea. Well, no,
0: no. I mean, like, I have my own life, and, like, you guys you guys just need to, to not judge me for Having my own time off. I mean, like I can have my time and go do what I want to, and you know, just...
1: we do we do two podcasts, and you're already trying to take time off. You already think seriously, time. I wasn't paid for it, so I don't care. That's oh well. You need to work. You need to figure that out. You're not getting your. You didn't get your. Paycheck. All right,
0: BW, give me that PCO, and next time I'll make sure to <laughs> to let our audience know that I was off for a reason. So. But yes, I'm nope, the entire reason why the podcast didn't happen last Thursday. I was in DC having a good time. I apologize. Not really, though. I'm not sorry at all. But you we know. owe
1: you guys nothing.
0: We owe you nothing because this is our third episode, and I didn't mess up the intro this time. So... Oh yeah, we
1: should have done that too. A lot of errors. I guess we messed up by not messing up because we said we we're going to do that. Yeah, yeah. We
2: yeah. can't even. We can't even screw up, <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: But anyway, catch
0: us on Thursday, or I should say Friday. Um We'll have some more information for you guys, but hope you enjoyed the show. Later.
2: Later. Later
3: I said I always remember the wood crank beneath my feet in a busy stream. I never said I was angry, but I think I'm still in serene. But it's i I'm never losing it all And I think I'm waiting I think I'm waiting I'm down But no, I won't fall And I wouldn't trade it I wouldn't trade it I'm down for life Another day I was selfish She reminds me of my wasted views And all the ones in two I try to live in the moment It reminds me